everybody has reason to praise the Lord, ought to be God's people. Amen. I appreciate that. Well, I'm having trouble with my voice, so uh, can you hear me all right? You want Andy to turn it down lower? <laughs> my wife, my wife's the first one that goes, yes. All righty there. Can you hear, but you can hear me okay? All righty, good there. You know, I, you, you can't, will you be able to rest well and sleep fine without, all righty, good. Uh, I just pray that it it'd be all right. I don't know what it is. I, I give trouble, it seems like, in the mornings anymore. Uh, my voice, it'll be stronger usually in the evening, but the morning, uh, it's, it's, uh, I guess maybe I just snore too much. I don't know. But uh, I'm so glad that you've come this morning to be a part of the service. God laid on my heart something. I, I get sermons together, but I'm not always sure which sermon is for Sunday morning, which one's for Sunday night. And it's always kind of the last moment that I keep praying, God, which one do you want me to preach? I know he wants me to preach him on Sunday, but I'm not sure which one. And, uh, but uh, I, yesterday, God spoke to my heart about this, avoiding Satan's trap. Avoiding Satan's trap. Satan puts traps out. You know, it's a very wise thing to stay out of the trap. Uh, the trap will, will harm you. It will, it will put you in a position... Uh, of danger it actually could kill you you know the devil liked to kill off all the Christians but I believe God wants us to live and uh, I want to speak to you about avoiding Satan's traps Father thank you again for this time help us now help my voice strengthen it please Lord and help me as I speak and help us to listen on purpose to what's being said we know there's traps being laid for us. And the devil's been at it for a lot longer than we've been here on this earth. And Father, I pray, help us to look to you to know how to avoid these traps. Save the one that may be here without you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think about where this is found, these verses, and verse number 8 is something I've preached about, I'm sure, many a times. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may give pleasure to? Devour. Satan wants to devour you. Satan hates you. He hates me. He hates every one of us. And so what he does, he sets traps. I know some of you fellows in here, you trap. I know Bill does trapping back there. And, and uh, you, know, you set traps, and we've, he's done it around here to catch groundhogs. You say, what do you do when you catch a groundhog? We send them to the farm. <laughs> Where all of our puppies have gone to when we grew up, right? They're on a farm. Well, he set traps, and you know what? He doesn't just set a trap up and put a big sign saying, Trap here, watch out, groundhog. It's very carefully put. You put some bait, you cover it up, you sift the dirt so that the groundhog will get in the trap. Now, Bill's a pretty good trapper, I understand. At least he brags about it. <laughs> but he's a good trapper. He can catch things, and he's caught a lot of, a lot of the critters around here. I'll tell you what, he's nothing compared to the traps that Satan sets for you and I. He's a master of it. And I thought, you know, it's, 
it's interesting that God allowed Peter to tell us about this. Of all people. Peter was one that fell for some of the devil's traps, didn't he? I mean, the Lord warned Peter about it in Luke chapter number 22. In verse 31, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. The Lord said, Peter, watch out for the devil's traps. He wants you. He went on also and said in Matthew 16, 23, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Again, I believe a warning to Peter. Watch out for the trap. Watch out for the trap that Satan has. Many are like Peter falls to the trap of sleeping. Now, it's not wrong to sleep, but it's wrong for us to drift away in our Christian life. The Bible says in Mark chapter 14, 37, And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. And saith unto Peter, there it is again, Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The true spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. He was saying, Peter, you need to stay awake. Peter, you need to be awake here because you fall off to sleep, you're going to fall for the devil's traps. Now here in 1 Peter, we find Satan is, seek, Satan is seeking whom he may devour. This morning, it's good to be saved, isn't it? But Satan seeks to devour you. Satan didn't say when we got saved, well, I might as well forget about them. Why? I can't take them to hell. No, he can't. And praise God for that. But I'll tell you what he can do. He can put traps out for us. And get us to a place. You know what a trap will do? Even if it doesn't kill you, it holds you down. It ties you down. Remember the last groundhog we had back here in the corner? He was there. He wasn't coming out from underneath the porch. But I'll say this too. He wasn't going anywhere because he was in the trap. There's a lot of Christians today. They're, they're going to go to heaven someday, but they're in a trap that Satan has laid. And they've walked right into it. He can't take us to hell, but he can get us to quit serving the Lord. You know, I think about it. We were talking, Brother Bishop and I were talking a little while ago about some missionaries that we had that quit. For all the years, 40 years, we've had missionaries at one time, and I go through in my mind and, and in the records there, and I find some of the missionaries we had, and I think, you know, they quit. I know preachers that one time were preaching the Word of God, and they quit. I could tell you of a bunch of church folks who one time went to church and served God, and they quit, no longer being used. And I think, you know, Satan places those traps to get us to quit serving the Lord. I thought, you know, if everybody who got saved would serve the Lord, this world would be a whole lot different. Our country would not be fighting 50-50, it seems like today, about abortion and about all the things that are happening in our world today. They wouldn't be fighting about it. I mean, the United States of America, if every Christian would not fall, had not fallen for the traps of Satan, I don't think... Anybody, anybody be upset about the canceling of Roe v. Wade? I think everybody would be happy that lives will be changed and saved. 
Really, the problem is not a problem with the world. You say, preacher, our world's a mess. It is. But you know, it's really not the problem of the world or the fault of the world. You say, whose fault is it? God's people. You say, man, I am one of those. God said in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people. He didn't say, if the world's people turn from their wicked ways. He said, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. What was on through that verse? He says, I will heal their land. God made a promise there to his people. And I believe the reason America is in the bad shape that it is today is the fault of God's people. That have fallen in the traps. Our churches in America ought to be full every service. Our streets ought to be filled with gospel tracts and soul winners. Our, our, our nation ought to be a place where, where, where we say, no, we're not putting up with this perversion. We believe the word of God. But that's not what's happening. The sad thing is people get saved and then they fall for every temptation that comes along. Now the Bible tells us that temptation is common to all of us. Satan will always put his traps out, but we need to be smart enough not to wander into those traps. Yes, if we're saved, we'll go to heaven. But I ask this morning, what is your testimony while you're here in this place in the world right now? The Bible says that we're to be a light that shines. I wonder this morning, is your light shining? You say, well, you know those people? I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about you and I this morning. You are under the, the voice of the preaching. Is your light shining for the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, again, I, I, I have political views. You know that. But I don't believe it's a political problem. It's a spiritual problem. And I thought if God's people would just wake up and quit falling for all the tricks of the devil, that we quit falling and walking into the, the traps that Satan sets, but what happens, we get saved, and then the devil says, I can't take you to hell, but I'll do this. I'll turn your lights off. And he does. Now, I don't know about you, but usually if I go to a house at night and all the lights are off, tells me one of two things. One is nobody's home. I met some folks last yesterday. They said, you just caught us in a week, I think it was, or two weeks. He said, we're going to... Uh, Arizona for the winter I was jealous I said you mean you're not going to stay here for the cold weather we're going where it's warm I hope they burn <laughs> I hope they get a bad sunburn but uh, no I, I just tease them out I said well when it's 10 below zero I'll be thinking about you and the lady says and when it's nice and warm we'll be thinking about you smart Alex now they were sweet people knew the Lord too, amen. But I thought, you know, the devil likes to turn the lights out, but I, I know there's some houses and I'll go past their house this winter and I'll go past after a service when it's dark and there'll be no lights on because they're gone. And I know this too, that sometimes the lights are out because people are what? Sleeping. 
or they're stingy and won't pay for electricity, probably, right? But what happens, they're, they, they're sleeping. Now think about it, what good are we sleeping? There's no light, we don't need light. What, if we're not there, there's, there's no light. And I think, why is the world so dark today? I know the world is in darkness, but you would think there's enough Christians to make some light. We fall in the darkness. No, no, not we're going to hell. But our lights are taken away. That's not the way it's supposed to be in the Christian life. So the question would be, and I give you just some simple things, a simple message this morning. How can we avoid Satan's traps? And let me give you a couple ways. Number one is this. Don't stray. Well, that's easy, isn't it? Don't stray. You're, you're heard of a stray dog? What's that mean? Ichi's been running all over the place. You have a dog like, we used to have a dog named Mickey. I don't know why we named it Mickey. Doesn't it sound like a real, like what boys would call their dog Mickey? But it's better than the poodle we had named Susie. But anyways, uh, I digress a little bit. But we had, we, you know, we, we had old Mickey. You know what Mickey would do? Mickey would wander all over the place. You let him out the back door and go, all right, Mickey, go outside. Mickey would go outside and he'd sniff around everywhere. But Mickey would always do this. He'd look over and see if I'd stand at the door. And if it was real cold, I'd shut the door. Just wait for Mickey to do his thing. And Mickey would, would go and sniff around the bushes there, and he'd go right by the corner of the house. And my mom would say, now shut that door, son. It's cold air coming in. i go, okay, Mom, I'm watching Mickey. And then all of a sudden, i turn around and look at Mickey, and Mickey's gone. And we look for Mickey. Mickey would be all, I mean, you didn't know where you were going to find him. He's usually blocks away. He's, he's sniffing everybody else's bushes, too. He's just, he's just out there. You know what he does? He's straight off. You go down to the dog pound, and my dad, my, my uncle used to work at the, at the dog pound, and I remember we'd go in, sometimes even after church, we'd say, Dad, take us by Uncle Bob and let us see the, the dogs. And we would go to, the, to the, the dog pound, and we'd walk in here and see all those dogs. And, and you know what we always wanted to do when we went there? Take one home. But my dad would say, these are strays. They left where they belonged. They ran off, and the dog catcher caught them, and they're strays. And now they live in a cage. Now, you know right now your little heart is bleeding because of those poor puppies. But you know what's sad? When God's people stray away from the Lord, and they get caught up in the traps of Satan. You say, preacher, what, what, what is this all about? Psalm 119, verse 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. And so I look at that verse, and I think how interesting it is. He said, I've kept thy word. But he said, before I was afflicted. So I have to take this verse and kind of move these words around to kind of get the series in order of what happened. What happened? I went astray. And then I was afflicted, and now I keep thy word. I notice that the first thing that happens before being afflicted, where God was afflicting them, causing them to stop and wake up, was that they went astray. I look around this morning. There are many, many people who ought to be in church that have gone astray. Going astray is never a good thing. And I speak to you this morning knowing this, 
you could do the same thing. I'm not trying to badmouth anybody. I'm trying to help it from happening some more. Where there was a time people came to church, people sang the hymns, and they carried their Bibles, and they lifted up the name of the Lord, even went out and told people how to be saved, went astray. What's the cause of strain? Oftentimes it's a neglect of prayer. We just don't pray. You say, well, preacher, when should we pray? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. I believe prayer is a vital part of the Christian life. Ask yourself this morning, how much do I pray? The fact of the matter is, you don't have to be in a certain place to pray. You could pray anytime. You could pray while you're mowing the grass. Do pay attention for everything out there. But you can pray when you're mowing the grass. You could pray when you're doing housework. You can pray in your house. You can, you can pray while you're driving. Just don't close your eyes. I tell you, I guarantee this. One way you'll get in the trap of the devil is this. Stop praying. We get so smart thinking we know everything, we don't need to pray. It's almost as if we don't need God's help anymore. We need to pray. I believe not only what causes us to stray is not only our prayer life, but our neglect of the study of the word of God. It's a shame how little God's people know the Bible. It's amazing. We know every other book pretty much. Remember, remember the Sears catalog? Huh? Didn't we know where everything, I mean, especially the Christmas one? I remember Bob and the Sears catalog come to our house, the Christmas issue, and I'll tell you, it was the most worn out book in the house. And we go through and look at all those toys and see what they had, and we thought, man, this is it. We mark our name on it. You know, Mark wants this. Send it to Santa Claus. No, I didn't send it to Santa Claus, although I did, but I didn't really believe he would do it. I believe Mom and Dad would, but I wanted to cover myself just in case. Do you know what? I knew when I wanted Lincoln Logs, I could tell you what page it was on because I wanted Lincoln Logs. And when we wanted Rock'em Sock'em Robots, remember those? Those are the coolest things in all the world. Man, video games had nothing compared to Rock'em Sock'em Robots. And more, I, I, I could tell you what page it was on. Man, we flipped through those pages. We knew where everything was at. My brother, sad to say, he knew where all the G.I. Joes were, but I stayed out of the dolls, amen? But uh, he, he, we knew where everything was in that little book there. How sad it is we don't know where to look in the Bible for help. The greatest book, the book that is without error, your Bible. The book that is probably the least worn out of all the books that we have. What causes us to stray? Not knowing what the Bible says. Not praying. I believe, I believe also you know, that this Bible, we need to know it because it's the instruction book of life. You know, we wonder today, you know, people saying, well, the young people today are going off the universities and look what's happening. Well, you understand something? The reason they're going off these universities is because you've got, got parents smart enough to know not to send them there. They're being destroyed. Kids today are getting degrees and they have no idea what to do. They get a degree in this, how to protest. How to sit in. How to cancel everybody. How to be woke. And what was used with these kids? Another book, not the word of life. Not the instruction book of living. 
But you can mark this down. People who stray have not been praying and have not been studying their Bible. Number three, what's the cause of strain? Sometimes the cause of strain is no courage to say no to the wrong crowd. There is such a thing as the wrong crowd. Are you listening? Every mom and dad ought to pay attention to that. You know, remember, leave it to Beaver. I remember that. And and who who was the who was that uh, that the guy that always was real nice to the mom and dad? Eddie Haskell. He was the devil incarnate, wasn't he? Go. Well, hello, Mrs. Cleaver. You sure look lovely today. And she would think that Eddie was the sweetest guy. Eddie was crooked as a dog's hind leg. He was the wrong crowd. You know, the wrong crowd will put on a face in front of moms and dads. Moms and dads be smart enough. And if I'm not mistaken, I think June, wasn't it June? June Cleaver got his number. There's something about that, Eddie. My mom used to be that way. Isn't it amazing how moms could be mind readers and know things that kids don't know? They go, there's just something wrong there. And we think, Mom, you're crazy. Mom was a prophet. Sometimes we stray because we don't have courage to say no to the wrong kind of friends. That's why we ought to go through the friends of our kids. Well, I want my kids to make up their own minds. There's a one word I want to give you right now. It's called stupid. Kids don't make up their own minds. Parents are supposed to teach children and train them up in the way they should go. You look at the people today saying, let the children make up their own minds. You got little boys now saying, I think I'm a girl. Wait a minute. He didn't make up his own mind. He had some pervert over there tell him and teach him that. Amen. You know, we got to be careful who we run with. That's why we need to be careful where our kids go to school. Because they're being taught things. We do things, we believe things that we've been taught. That's why this morning I said that we have the Bible and it is, tr- it is truth. Our faith helps us to know we're right. Because the word of God is truth. But you know what causes a lot of people to stray? Excuse me, to stray? They run with the wrong crowd. I like what a preacher said one time. He says, you can't, run, you can't run with a skunk and smell like a rose. Isn't that true? Uh, you, ever, you ever hit a skunk? It, it follows you, doesn't it? I did that when I was in high school. I ran over a skunk one day, and I was out. my car was in the parking lot, and I remember all the kids going, man, something stinks out in that parking lot. It smells like a skunk. And I knew what it was because I hit it, not on purpose. And I'll tell you what, my car stunk like a skunk for a long time. And you know what? You can't run with a skunk and smell like a rose. You'll smell like a skunk. Amen. And you can't run with the wrong crowd, fellas. You can't run with the wrong, run with the wrong crowd, ladies. You can't run, run with the wrong crowd, boys and girls. You can't do that and smell right and be the Christian you ought to be. I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to stray. You're going to stray. Number four, reason why people stray, sometimes just not devout enough to the Lord as they should be. We ought to be devout Christians. The Bible says this, 
James 4, 7, and 8, we just read. And, and, and uh, uh, or, or I'm sorry, James 4, 7, and 8, we didn't read it, but I'm going to read it too. I read it earlier this morning again. But submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. We miss that part. He said, I want to resist the devil. Devil, leave me alone. But he says, draw nigh to God. And then what, what's it go on to say? And he will draw nigh to you. So I just don't know why. The Lord, the Lord's not helping me. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God said, listen, so what I want you to do, I want you to wash your hands. In other words, what? Get that dirt off and cleanse your hearts and get right and your minds and be with the right crowd. I believe there's a good crowd in church. Be around God's people. Now, I grew up in a large church, and there were kids my parents wouldn't let us hang out with. Same thing with her mom and dad. We, I, I didn't know her then, but I, I remember, uh, I remember talk, we were talking about this. Our parents, would, we'd say, hey, can I go so-and-so's house? I said, no. No, they, they don't do things they should be doing. They knew there was a wrong crowd. I thank the Lord for mom and dad that kept me from the wrong crowd. Because I wasn't smart enough, and neither are kids today either. They may know computers and they may know games, but they're really dumb when it comes to putting themselves in jeopardy. Don't stray. So we don't stray, and then secondly, don't strut. You say, what are you talking about? I used really simple words for us this morning, didn't I? Don't strut. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goeth before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Sometimes we lack humility. We lack humility. We begin to strut thinking we're something. And the Bible says in John chapter 12 verse 43. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Let me tell you something folks. When the world is all for you. You might want to question where your stand is. I'm not, too con- I'm not concerned with the applause of the world. I'm concerned about the pleasing of the Lord. Amen. You know, I think about the Lord Jesus. He was a humble man, wasn't he? Oh, he was the God man. But he was humble. I thought about how that he even declared that he could do. Now think about this statement. He could do nothing by himself. He depended upon the Father. You see, he was God. I understand that. Though there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And Jesus even talked about that his father sent him. And we read in the word of God in Matthew chapter 3 verse number 17. It says, And lo, a voice from heaven, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, what was this voice? It was God's voice. God was saying, I am pleased in my son. Jesus was saying this, I cannot do anything without my Father. He wasn't looking for himself to be seen. He was bringing glory unto the Father. And I thought, you know what God wants us to be? He wants us to be humble too. Not to strut around. When we strut around think we're something, we're ready to fall. Pride goeth before destruction, the Bible says. We avoid the traps of Satan when we are humble enough to do the things that please God. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I mean, let somebody else do it. I hate that statement. 
You know, if God speaks you to do something and God tells us to do something, do it. Well, I think it's time for someone else. You know what? It is time for someone else, but I don't think it's, not, I don't think it's time for us to stop. We need to be humble. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So the way up is humbling ourselves. Not saying I'm somebody. The Bible talked about the Pharisees. You know, they like to stand up in front of everyone, wear all kinds of fancy stuff, and have bells on their outfits and that, so everybody saw them, and they would stand there and think that they're so much better than anyone else. Well, the, the Lord, Lord had some words for him, didn't he? He said, thou hypocrite. You're a bunch of hypocrites, whited sepulchers. You're like open graves. That's what he said about them. So we can't strut. We can't stray. If we do, we will fall for the traps of Satan. Number three. Don't stoop. Another simple word. Don't stoop. You say, what do you mean by that? Romans 12, 21 says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, what? Don't stoop to the world's ideas. Don't stoop to the world's morals. Amen. You know, it's so sad today that that the... The hash mark of things that are right used to be up here are now down here. You know what's happened? We stooped. Christians today. You know, it's sad even in Christian schools. And I could tell you, I could tell you, illustration after illustration, some good men have some good schools. But I'll tell you what they're doing. They're stooping. They're wanting, they've got to have more students so they invite other kids in that have different ideas, different beliefs, different denominations, and all of a sudden you begin to get a hodgepodge and people begin to wonder what's going on. Why are all these things going around? I'll tell you what happens. You begin to stoop. You get somebody with lower standards. Usually what happens is the one with higher standards goes down there. You mark this down. People, people get married sometimes and say, well, you know, I'll bring their standards up. It doesn't, I can't, I can't give you one illustration where it did. This is what happens. High standards, and here's the low standards. The low standards brings the high standards down, and they meet together. And now we're happy. No, you're both miserable now. That's not how it works. Don't stoop. I like to think, and I know this is true, that I still believe this King James Bible. I'm not stooping for another Bible. I'm not stooping on my stand that God created this earth. You say, but the evolutionists, I don't care what the evolutionists say, I have the word of God. I will not stoop. I will not stoop to the woke situations in America. I will not stoop to say that perversion is another lifestyle. I will not stoop. I will not. You say, but preacher, you will not, people will not agree with you. I know. That's why our churches today have gone contemporary. They've stooped. 
They've stooped in everything that's come along, and now the church is nothing more than a than a gathering place or a a a, 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 a what, what's that? Uh, you go you could join a club, uh, country club. Not that I've ever belonged to one. A church isn't a country club. It's a place. If anything else, it's more like a hospital. Where we come and we get. We get to get some operations once in a while to remove the sin. Don't stoop. Millions today are relaxing their standards because they're spiritually slack. We live in a world that has stooped so low and yet we feel like we're okay as long as we don't stoop as low. But stooping is stooping. I know it's very simple little words that I'm using, but do you see the danger of it? Remember, we started out by saying Satan has traps, and he puts his traps out. How can we stay away from those? Oh, we've got to make sure that we don't stoop and lower our standards. I'm telling you something right now. When you begin to lower your standards, I've seen people that do this. You know what, preacher? You know, here in these Baptist church, you know, you guys are just so strict, and, you know, you preach these standards. You think men ought to look like men, and girls ought to look like girls, and, and you know, you're just so so strange about it we want to go someplace else and you know what they'll go and stoop and they stoop farther than what they expected to stoop i've seen them go and say well we're going because that church has a has a has a playground for the kids you know what they do then they stoop now you got people you know are wrong they're talking in tongues but you're okay because they have a good youth building stooping which to me is stupid. That's what's happening. We must not condone sin. We must not condone evil. And for sure, we must not participate in it. Amen. No, preacher, you know, times have changed. You know, times have changed, but... What I just I just gotta I just I just know this too. Why this black book here has not changed. It's the same as it always was. It's not changed. You say, but times have changed. I understand that. And even times changed even with Adam and Eve. And their change made it better. Satan said, Boy, you just take a bite of that fruit and you'll be as God's. Stinking liar. He had a trap. Adam said, yeah, let's eat it. Or Eve said, yeah, let's eat it. And she said, come on, honey, to Adam. And Adam take, took that fruit too. And boy, things got so great, they went and they hid themselves. And they're feel fearful because God was coming to see them. Boy, life got better, didn't it? No. They sinned. And all of a sudden, they got to work hard. I mean, they had it made in the garden, didn't they? God was there. God meet with them every day. And everything was perfect. They didn't know pain. They didn't know suffering. And now all of a sudden they've got sin. Because they stooped. Because God said don't eat of that. Don't take of that fruit. And they stooped. And what happens brought sin upon them. And then you say well preacher it was okay. Oh yeah. How was this? For their son Abel's, Abel's funeral. Oh, that was so much better. You can trace that back to that stooping around the tree. Amen. It's not going to be a big deal. Their boy died. 
And the sad thing about it was, it wasn't a stranger that killed their son. It was their other son. How their heart must have broke two ways. How sad. Now I can say this, if you do stoop, I have somebody that can help, help you up again. Amen? You ever find yourself, I was in the woods the other day. I'm finding something out as I get older. The ground is farther down than it used to be. I was sitting against a tree, a big old tree. I sat there for about two hours or so. I thought, I better get up. And I said to my left leg, move, and it said no. Right leg was just as rebellious as the left leg, but I started, I got my feet there, and I started to stand up, and I'm telling you what, I had a hard time standing up. I set my gun down, and I reached around that tree, and I used that tree to push me up. Y'all look at me like I'm getting so old. You know you do it. I'm the only one who will admit it, amen? (laughs) I pushed against that tree, and I got up, and I stood up, and I'm thinking, good night. If a bear came after me, I might as well just lay down and die. How wonderful it is when there's someone there to give you a hand up. My dad used to fall. He couldn't get up. And he'd say, son, help me. And I'd go over and I'd get under his arms and I would help, help him up. And he was always so thankful that I helped him up. And I have a heavenly father today. Well, he's been around forever. But he's not old and decrepit like you and I get. When we fall, he says, I'll help you up. But let me tell you this. Just don't fall. Just don't fall. Don't stoop. Because stooping will take you to a place you really don't want to go. So don't stray. Don't, don't, don't strut. Be so proud. Don't stoop. And then the last thing is this. Don't stop. Little words. Little words, don't stop. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We need to endure some hardness today. I mean, let's face it, we're pretty much in a minority. <coughs> as far as the world's concerned. But with Jesus, we're fine. Look with me to the book of James, if you would, please. Just a little bit back here from where we're at. James chapter number 5. James chapter number 5. Look at verse number 7. The Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, hath long patience for it. Until he received the early and latter rain, be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Draw off nigh. Aren't you glad it's coming soon? Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Verse 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them. Well, look at here. Happy, which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender, what? Mercy. 
Aren't you glad he has mercy for us? I'm thankful. You know, our Lord never stopped. You think about it on the cross of Calvary. Jesus said, it is finished. He finished it. He didn't stop part way. You know, oftentimes I think about there in John chapter number 1. And it says there, I, the verse troubles me every time I read it, where, where it said there, that he came unto his own and his own received him not. I'm thinking he left the glories of heaven. Could you imagine a place that only praised him? A place of perfect perfectness. Coming to an old sin-cursed world for us. You would think that his people would say, oh, our Messiah. They cried. The Jews have been crying for Messiah. But yet when he came, he came unto his own and his own received him not. I about want to cry every time I think about that. Yet Jesus didn't turn around and go back to heaven. When his own received him not, he just stayed here, didn't he? He lived a perfect life. He never sinned, even though he could have lost his temper and sinned many a times, but he didn't do that. He did his father's business. And it was for this. He was to come to live that perfect life, to be that perfect Lamb of God, to shed his blood for us on the cross of Calvary so that we could be saved. And there he went to that cross after being beaten, and scourged, in a crown of thorns, and a cat of nine tails on his back, beaten to where you couldn't even tell he was a human being. He did it all for you and I and there on the cross. When he said it is finished, he was saying, I didn't quit. I didn't turn around and go back to heaven. You know, if he had turned around and went back to heaven in John chapter number one, we'd be lost. No turning back. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, listen to this, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, that she be wearied and faint in your minds. So he endured the cross, he endured such contradiction of sinners. He didn't stop. A lot of Christians... Stop. How many times I go solely and I meet people? I don't go to church anywhere. I say, did you used to? That's always what I ask them. Did you used to? And they'll say, yeah, used to. Sometimes they'll say when I was a kid or when I was a teenager. And you know what a lot of them are saying now? Yeah, used to till COVID came. A lot of people are at church still used to and I thought you know how sad it is that how many Christians had a good start but then they stopped they stopped stopping is usually an, a gradual thing we stop a little bit at a time thinking in our minds it won't be so blatant if I stop everything at once. But stopping is stopping. Satan attracts. He distracts. He attacks with, subil uh, with, with subtility. 
who's very subtle, the Bible says. Eve found that out, didn't she? And you're not smarter than Eve. You can be. You realize how Satan works. He puts those traps out. He disguises them. Why, this is friends. You could run with this crowd while they go to church. They belong to a church. There's a lot of kids that belong to church who take drugs and are fornicators. We could a whole list of things we could say. I could tell you, folks, you ask them, if you die, you know you're going to, oh yeah, I know I'm going to heaven, but they're living in sin. But thank the Lord that God's grace is sufficient that if we do stray, if we do strut, if we do uh, stoop or we stop, we have a God that's able to bring us back into the fold. Remember the sermon last week about the 99? The Lord loved that one who went astray. And he went after the one who went astray. Not to beat him up. Not to make him comfortable where he was. But bring him back in the fold. And if you've fallen into a trap. You say, I'm not dying from him. But your, your leg, your foot, your, just part of you just caught in that trap. You better be careful because the trapper is going to come along. And you know what? The trapper really doesn't set you free. He kills you. And that's what Satan wants for us. Best way to stay out of the trap is to avoid it altogether. Don't stray. Don't strut. Don't stoop. And by all means, don't stop. These things will help you avoid Satan's traps. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the time this morning. Lord, I pray you bless what's been said here. And Lord, that we would all take it serious. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here who doesn't know you as Savior, we know Satan's got them wrapped up. Lord, I'm glad that you can set people free and you could save the one that's here without you. And I pray you'll save them. And Lord, I pray for Christians this morning. There's some, they may be caught in a trap. Oh, it's not very evident to everybody else. And they're all right being trapped and just have their foot in that or their hand in or just a finger in it. So I'm all right. But we know the trapper's coming. And it's never good news when the trapper comes. He's seeking whom he may devour. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed this morning, I wonder, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? I wonder if there'd be anyone here this morning say, Preacher, I'm not sure if I died right now I'd go to heaven. I don't know, but I'd like to know that. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure of heaven. Would you slip your hand up, anyone this morning? Preacher, that's me. I don't know I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to know it. Could you say, I know there's a time that I accepted Christ as my Savior, a time when I asked him to come into my heart and save me. Do you have that time? Could you go to that time right now in your mind? Thank the Lord for it. But you know, when you got saved, didn't mean Satan gave up. He still wants to turn the lights out. He's going to set some traps. Don't get close to that trap. And if you do get in it, 
Let the Lord set you free. And he can. For when the trapper comes, he's not there to set you free. He's there to devour you. Some good morning this morning. In a year from now, in five years from now, in ten years from now, where will you be? I'll tell you what, you won't have to be in one of his traps if you don't stray and you don't strut and you don't stoop and you don't stop. God spoke to your heart this morning. The altar be open as always. You do what God says. Father, bless. Have your will and way now. And Lord, still, if there's somebody not sure of heaven, they might come and trust you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.